I would say I have made roughly 15 um, prison visits in the time of my ministry. And there's one sound that I will never forget. Those jail doors locking behind me. That's something I don't think I'll ever quite remove from my psyche. And they're almost as loud as what you heard that first time. Now, after a while, I got a little used to that. But I got to tell you, the first time it happened, I was really freaked out. Because I became aware that during that time, I was not free to come and go as I would have wished. I was obviously not in a cell But I was there in the visiting area, and that's part of the jail, too. Became very aware in that time what a precious thing freedom is. Prison ministry was one of the most challenging things I've ever done in my ministry. Also one of the most beneficial. And it brings to mind, for obvious reasons, today's Spirit Flicks message. The Sawshank Redemption. Is about an innocent man who is in prison over decades. We only come to know the fact that he is innocent until much, much later in the movie. His name is Andy Dufresne, and at first, when we first meet him, we see that prison is an absolutely brutal experience for him. One of the things I really love about this movie is that it has a very delicate balance between prison as one of the most absolutely brutal places you could ever think to be, and at the same time, Also, just a little bit like summer camp. It's a very delicate balance in this movie between those two realities. Now, his story is told, at least in the beginning, through his, well, a guy who becomes his best friend named Red. Morgan Freeman plays him. Now, I will listen to any story that Morgan Freeman tells me to listen to. I mean, he turned... March of the Penguins. Let's face it. You ever ever watch March of the Penguins without the narration? It's just a nature documentary. But with Morgan Freeman, the voice of God, I mean, he actually played God. And by the way, the other probably most famous person, George Burns, who who also played God, if you remember those old God movies, I'm related to him by blood, Nathan Birnbaum. Morgan Freeman was a better God than he was a better, than he was a God. I mean, Morgan Freeman could take the contents of my Cliff Bar that I had for breakfast this morning and read it to me, and I could think that I was in the middle of an absolutely great story. So we come to know Andy at first through the words and through the narration of his friend, Red. What we come to know about Andy is that he yearns to be free from this prison life. And there's a big surprise in this movie, which if you haven't seen it yet, I'm going to ruin it for you right now. But this movie has been out for about 18 years already. If you haven't seen it yet, I don't think you will see it. What we know at the very end of the movie is that throughout the decades that Andy has been in prison, he has been planning his escape. He has been tunneling spoonful by spoonful through his wall out to the exterior edge of where the prison building ends so he could drop down into a sewer and crawl through the muck and the mire 500 yards to get to his eventual freedom. But the thing is, what makes the Shawshank Redemption such a beautiful story, such a worthwhile story, such a heartful story, is that it's not like Escape from Alcatraz. It's not just another Escape from Prison movie. 
The charm of the movie is that for so much of the time, Andy and his cohorts are not free from prison, but still they can experience great freedom for each other and with each other. This, for me, is the distinctive message of this movie, that every time Andy acts within those prison walls to just open up a little space of freedom for himself, Freedom from the constraints of his jailers. Every time he acts for a little bit of freedom for himself, he includes everyone else around him with that freedom. He acts for the freedom for others as well, too. If you've seen the movie, you know the first scene on the rooftop where he first starts to get people on his side. So the fact that he is a victim of such brutality can start to come to an end. They are up on the rooftop of the prison And Andy, overhearing one of the guards complaining about the fact that he got an inheritance that will end up costing him so much money, Andy volunteers at great peril to himself to use his accounting skills so that he can get for his working crew, he says, two beers each. He is acting for their freedom. When Andy wants to build a library in the prison, because he is a person in prison who has a little bit more sort of elevated taste than some of the other guys. It is not just about what he wants. He builds an entire library in this prison, which then he uses to help educate other prisoners who never had a high school education. Every time Andy acts to expand his freedom from his jailers, he also acts in freedom for the liberty and the benefits of his fellows in jail. Even that final segment of the movie, the scene where we see that Andy has been plotting this escape through decades, which is the ultimate act of freedom from. He wants to get out of jail as an innocent person. He still uses his freedom for His fellow inmates. He doesn't just abandon his friends, but instead exposes the corrupt and brutal people who run that prison and have been exploiting himself and many others there. And then in the final, final act of the movie, which has for me one of my favorite images of male friendship and male intimacy that I've ever seen in movies. In which he invites through a series of clues, opaque clues that only his friend Red will understand. After Red's release from jail, after Red has escaped legally the prison, he is free from the prison. But an old man out of jail, he wonders if there is anything for him to be free for or anyone for him to be free with anymore. We see it in a flashback early in the movie, another elderly prisoner who has been released from prison and cannot live on the outside. He takes his own life because even though he has freedom from the jail, he has nothing to be free for. And so through this series of clues, Andy leaves like breadcrumbs in the forest almost. He allows Red to find him where he's living in Mexico. And then this beautiful final image as the camera pans away, many of you know this, we see the two of them embracing beachside in the clear blue next to the clear blue ocean. This movie, in the best sense of the word, is a love story. It is a love story about the freedom to love and the freedom to be loved. 
It is about much more than just freedom from external constraints, although that's a great part of the story. Freedom from things that oppress us, that oppress others. Freedom from our own habits, hurts, hang-ups that cause us to suffer. Freedom from these things is important. It's a very diligent kind of freedom that I think many of us, I know I have had to work on throughout much of my life. But freedom from is only one kind of freedom. And if we only focus on being free from something, we have an immature freedom. I think if we just focus on the independence part of Independence Day, we miss the deeper points. Whether it's nation or whether it's individuals, individual people who get stuck in that place of only saying, I am free from something, so I am free, and never answer that question of what I am free for, what am I free to do, I think actually then we unfortunately get in touch with William Sloan Coffin again, I mentioned him at the start of the service, when he wrote that the tiniest package in the world is someone who is all wrapped up in themselves. It's a very, very tiny and cheap present to be all wrapped up in ourselves. And sometimes people who only focus on freedom from, I am free to the degree that you are far from me, rather than exploring the degree to which I am free for relationship free to love free to be in relationship this is part of what our beliefs and values call us to here at wellsprings when we talk about that each of us has this yearning for connection with each other and with the sacred that we are called to be mindful in our choices that we make and know that our freedom only reaches its fulfillment in connection with other people that is moving solely from a focus upon independence to an understanding of the deep interdependence which unites all of us now like so many of you two fridays ago i was experiencing such deep gratitude sitting in front of my computer at about 10 30 11 o'clock at night in charlotte north carolina with tears actually on my cheeks that new york state had just passed marriage equality i heard a cheer went up here last week when i couldn't be here with you because i'm still in charlotte I think that is such a wonderful thing. And I also think it's important to sort of over the last decade sort of see the way that freedom has grown. Some of you might be aware that there was a 2003 um, Supreme Court case in which for the first time it was understood that the government or state governments has no rights to enter into another person's bedroom if there is consensual sexual behavior going on there between people. I don't want the government involved in anyone's bedroom where there is consensual behavior happening. That is an example of freedom from. But what happened in New York State and in Massachusetts and in Iowa and in the three other states in which marriage equality is now the law, still only six, though. Most other states have written it into their constitutions that it is prohibited for same-sex couples to ever be married. We still have, for those of us who care about freedom 
and that there ought to be no second-class citizens in this country. We still have a long walk to go. But in New York State and in states similar where gays and lesbians in their freedom to marry are no longer second-class citizens, it goes beyond simply freedom from and moves into that place of freedom for. It is not just about the bedroom. As gay and lesbian people have educated me over the years, this is not about sex. This is about love and identity and relationship. And so what New York State helps to do is to carve out that deeper space of people being free for and having the confidence and the equality to be free for the nursery to raise up children without the interference of the state to be free for the kitchen table and to know that as couples sit at the kitchen table as so many of us who are straight do without thinking about it that they can sit there and chart out their financial and emotional future without worrying that someone will swoop in and usurp them because their love is not declared equal and freedom from as well freedom for excuse me the hospital room. I cannot tell you the amount of stories I have heard over the years, and they are as true as I am standing here, of same-sex couples who have been together for decades, who have shared everything in this life, and then at those last moments of life when the most critical decisions are to be made, a brother or a sister or a father or a mother swoops in and says... To the partner, to the husband, to the wife, you don't belong here. And because there is no force of law in many states that makes those relationships as equal as my marriage is, decades-long love relationships can be shown the door. This is about freedom for those moments, those critical moments when we all want the people who we trust and love the most to be with us by our side as we prepare to leave this world. Freedom for is all about faithfulness and fidelity and deep soulful friendship, faith, fidelity, friendship. These are traditional words. That's what marriage equality is all about. I call myself a progressive traditionalist. That's how I best describe how I look at the world, because words like faith, fidelity and friendship are ancient, old, traditional words. But I'm progressive as well, because I believe those words can grow and expand as our own awareness and compassion and consciousness evolves to be able to take into account new realities. The GLBT people and couples I know who are married or who yearn desperately to be married, they have the most traditional reasons for why they wish to be together. It's why it is such nonsense when people say that GLBT people in their desire for marriage equality threaten the institution of marriage. As someone who got married for the first time, not this current, largely successful, I think we can say, yes. <laughs> Today's argument on the drive here, entirely my fault, notwithstanding. <laughs> and no, you don't get to know what it was about. As someone who got married the first time, 
relatively unconsciously and got divorced relatively unconsciously. Let me say that straight people, we ourselves, we have done enough to screw up marriage over the years on our own. I mean, think of it. The state of Nevada that has written into its constitution the prohibition, the legal prohibition and discrimination against same-sex couples, this state of Nevada allowed Britney Spears a few years ago and her childhood friend, drunk and high and whatever it is the hell they were doing, to get married to each other. If that does not demean marriage, what does so-called biblical marriage, as the critics say, biblical marriage. Well, yes, sometimes there are examples of biblical marriage that are remarkably equal and mutual and loving, even in spite of the fact that the biblical worldview was patriarchal. Well, biblical marriage also involves other things very often, like polygamy and slavery and rape. I believe that one of the things calling us to understand the sanctity of marriage is exactly the drive for marriage equality. Because people who cannot take these rights for granted take them more seriously, I think, than people who can just do it like Britney Spears and her friend simply because they can. I hope this move for marriage equality will all take us to this place of understanding the deep freedom for the freedom to love, the freedom to be in relationship that is at the heart of marriage. The most important words that I often say in some of the marriage liturgies that I perform go like this. By this act, you are not so much bound as you are set free. This is freedom for. The degree to which many of us married we're not married. The degree to which many of us can let go of the very absolute, very immature, very adolescent, and I'm not talking mature adolescent, I'm talking immature adolescent, need to say I am free from any external constraints, is the degree to which we can learn to be free for all kinds of other wonderful life-changing, spirit-knowing ways of being alive. A marriage is just one of the many ways of being free for and with and to each other. There's a man who some of you, you may know his name. His name is Vedran Smilovich. Maybe you've seen this photo before. Mr. Smilovich was a cellist in the early in the early 90s living in Sarajevo as the former republic of Yugoslavia started to come apart and come apart violently come apart in a way that brutalized many people who were living there thousands of people's lives were affected millions of people's lives were affected and thousands killed Fedran Smilovich lived in the city of Sarajevo during the siege of Sarajevo. And one day, right near where he lived, right outside his window, as people were lining up for bread to get the little food that they could, a mortar shell came in and killed 22 people standing, simply wanting to be fed. And so Vedran Smilovich, not a politician, not a soldier, but a warrior, we might say, for peace, 
did the only thing that he knew how to do, which is to take his cello out into the rubble, to take his cello out into the place where all those lives had been lost, and to take his cello out and to sit there even at risk for his own life, and to play this piece of music that we now hear, Albinoni's Adagio in G minor, not accompanied by anyone else as we hear right now, but simply on his cello to offer to the world that gift that he thought most beautiful. He could not be entirely free from the war. That was not within his power. But he could be free for beauty. He could be free for love. He could be free from fear so that he could attest that he could be free to acknowledge that there was something bigger still in this world than violence or destruction or hatred. Even when we cannot be entirely free from, we can still be free for. Close your eyes for just a moment and put yourself, if you could, imaginatively back in that place trying to escape yourself, trying to be free from this war that rages around you, and you see there this cellist sitting there, day after day after day, listen to what he is offering to you, inviting you, yes, life still is beautiful. Listen. In all of us, working to free ourselves from what is harmful to us and to others, we recognize that there is also a deep question laid into the foundation of that freedom, which is as we work to be free from, are we also working to be free for? See, freedom that we never Offered to give away in the sense of freedom for another person or for our benefits and life's benefits. Freedom that is never given away is cheap freedom. Freedom that is shared magnifies and multiplies itself in value. It is like this little script sometimes that people are very fond right now of putting at the end of their emails, a little autograph. It's attributed to Winston Churchill. To be honest with you, I have no idea whether he said it. Half the things that are attributed to Emerson, he didn't say either, by the way. That thing about the garden and all that, well, we'll talk about it afterward. He, Emerson didn't say that, about one person having rested. It's a beautiful sentiment, but Emerson didn't say it. But maybe Churchill said these words. He said, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. We make a life by what we give. That is about what we yearn to be free for. This is that deeper freedom, the freedom of the spirit, that freedom that Emerson did write about very much with his own words and his own pen when he talked about that each of us has one small part of that larger over soul. And our old souls come from it and return to it. 
knowing that we are bound in this network of mutuality and in this larger call to be free for our flourishing and for other people's flourishing, we can recognize these words from the great mystic Richard Rohr. who says, when we are inside of a great love, I believe Andy Dufresne lived inside of that kind of great love. When we are inside of great love, we have a much stronger possibility of surrendering our ego controls and opening up to the whole field of life. To open up as best we can, and sometimes it's by small degrees, the whole field of life means that we have to ask ourselves, not just from time to time, but regularly, what is our freedom for? So that we can aspire to be the kind of people who in our own quest for liberation are also of use to others in their own quest for freedom as well. So I hope that you have and are having a wonderful Independence Day weekend. And you have a wonderful Independence Day. And you feel you are and we are independent of that which causes us harm. And also that each day, for all of our lives, that we can answer yes. We are free for that great love, which is here this moment and is always present. Amen. May you live in blessing. Let's pray together. A sense of divine freedom. Of that which would have each and every one of us be liberated in body and in mind and in spirit. May we know that our own individual freedom is only as good, only as valuable as it seeks step by step, day by day to encompass the freedom of others around us. May we build the foundations this day in no matter how many small ways we are called to. To open and to open and to open and to recognize those who journey along the path to freedom alongside of us. May we grasp those hands and open those hearts and be there together in that fuller and finer presence of true and deep freedom. Amen.